Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And we are back for an all-new episode of Keep It. This is Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel, and I have an essay question in a second, but I'll let Aida go first. Well, that's weird. I'm Megan McCain. This is my job now. I work here. So, Oh, my God. She's I don't know where Aida's at. <laughs> wow. What's your essay question, Louis? Oh, Okay. I have this friend, Andrew, who he's one of my best friends, but our relationship now is mainly texting each other words that have died in popular culture or like names that don't exist anymore. You know, things like when kids in high school and movies would call a girl frigid, things like that, things that don't happen mm. anymore. And the one I'm thinking of right now is the word craze, as in in the 70s, there was a streaking craze on college campuses. And my question is, do we have the word craze anymore? I think the last craze might have been Tickle Me Elbow. <laughs> Um, You know, I will say, though, the word frigid, I've heard British cousins use recently as if it's new slang to them. So it's still circulating across the pond. She's frigid. That girl, she's so mighty frigid. She's an icebox. Where her her heart used to be. Yes. uh, My friend Omarion really hates these frigid girls. (laughs) Omarion. Nigel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's on my mind. Just like the Latin explosion with Ricky Martin, not really a craze. I'm thinking if we had a craze in the 21st century. Like Gangnam style? I d- can't believe I just said that. Sorry. Mm. Oh, something that has swept the nation, that feels global even. Yeah, like the ice bucket know. challenge. COVID. Wow. Yeah. Not really a craze, though, because it wasn't that crazy. But Tickle Me Elmo, like people would, you know, kick each other to death at Walmart or whatever. So mm. You know, I would say recently the Animal Crossing obsession was a craze. Mm. I will give it that. It wasn't mm-hmm. anywhere near the level, like it wasn't as exponential as the rest, but it was something that I felt like was widely felt. Okay. Feeding your family, paying your bills is a craze. <laughs> mm, a concept. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. The, uh, the craze is America. Heard of it? Mm. Well, America, you know, the fourth happened. And want to hear a story about how me and this bitch America fell out? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that last night. <laughs> Juneteenth the second, but carry on. (laughs) What were your thoughts, local white? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody was really good in it. I liked the kind of muted cinematic nature of the whole movie, even though obviously a lot of crazy things are going on. Mm -hmm. And then it ended. It was like, it's so fast. It feels a little bit like half a movie to me, but I like the half of a movie that we got. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I had to allow myself to let it just be a Twitter thread that was made into a movie because I was just waiting for things to get paid off, but mm-hmm. nothing was getting paid except for Zola and her homegirl. So yes. <laughs> there was a lot going on there. But Cousin Greg popped up. Cousin Greg did such mm. a good job. No, okay. Was that not a little bit on the nose casting wise? Because he basically was Cousin Greg in like a chain. No. <laughs> no, no, no I, I felt I felt like he he took on a whole other role in this. And then also Taylor Page was amazing. She's I just, fabulous. I could not untake my my screen. Ugh, my eyes. <laughs> I can't focus. <laughs> she looks so good in that film. <laughs> Uh, I do feel like the film, though, was um, shot early enough that, like, it, it, like if he was cast in that role now, mm-hmm. it'd be on the nose. But I think it's early enough that um, it counts. Yeah, and it's an. I, I'm forgetting though that this was debuted at Sundance last year. Like this did happen mm-hmm. a while ago. You're yes, right. Yes, that's where I saw it. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. He goes to festivals. Did you hear him? Okay. Yes. Um, I love the movie, and I did think it was too short, but I think. That's also, yes, just the nature of following Zola's exact text, right? And then yeah. totally. and then abruptly yes. it ends like the Twitter thread ended. I feel I think it would have been weird for Janitska and Jeremy O'Harris, who co-wrote it and Janitska directed Zola, to sort of like expand on it and be like, this is what happened after. Right. Yeah. I, my only reply to that is I get that they wanted to just keep it basically to the text of the Twitter thread. That said... It is a Twitter thread, so you're going to come up wanting when you get to the actual content portion of making a movie of it. That said, I feel like they could have found more ways to explore their inner lives. 
Like, it, it just was basically like a video game. Like, here are the six crazy events from the Twitter thread in a row. And while those are entertaining and really well acted, Riley Keough also, the granddaughter of Elvis Presley and daughter of Lisa Marie Presley, is fabulous in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought Coleman Domingo was amazing as well. Oh, Coleman by the way. killed it. Is Ooh. anybody more likely to be wearing snakeskin shoes in a movie than Coleman Domingo? <laughs> 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 or in person. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. He looks so good. That man knows color. Mm-hmm. He knows how to dress. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm really excited for this moment for him since, you know, his, um, like one of his plays is being developed uh, to a television show. He's been a playwright and an actor for so long. Uh, and I think we, the like general public um, that wasn't the theater, the theater world really started to notice him after um, Beale Street. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was I also like loved watching a, a comedic film get treated with this level of like cinematic respect. It's so beautiful. Like Zola is just mm-hmm. I feel like it's pivotal for a lot of young filmmakers if they were to watch it. Yes, and it's nice to see, you know, this from Janiska instead of, you know, like a Harmony Corinne. Mhm. Yeah. I'm excited for Janiska. <laughs> I want to see what she does next. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I actually went to go see this movie when TS Madison did a screening, hosted a screening of it, mm-hmm. and Zola and the girls all went to speak and Zola said it's exactly true to what happened in their life. The only thing that is different is the fall at the end, which you're going to have to go see the movie or do the Twitter thread again, but um it's very very true and Zola seemed to be really really happy with the way it came out. Oh, I'm glad you just said that because I I had read the Twitter thread a long time ago and didn't reread it. But the one thing I did remember is the thing that's different in the movie. So a part of me was like, oh, I'm losing my mind. But no, that was different. The only liberty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And T.S. Madison was it. As well. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Caveat. Hilarious. <laughs> I think improved her lines as well, of course. So, uh, beautiful. All right. Well, I think we all have to plan a hoe trip soon. Oh. Okay. Let's go. All right. Fargo? <laughs> <laughs> Our version of a hoe yeah. trip. The stark, deep Midwest. Yes. <laughs> Let's find some cream puffs. Yeah. Right. Woof. <laughs> All right, we have another exciting um, story to talk about this week. Uh, Bill Cosby's out. Oh, God. Jesus. Sorry, I just gripped the desk as you said that. (laughs) Bill Cosby is out, and also several black women are out of the Olympics. (laughs) Your segue power is getting stronger by the day, Ira. (laughs) But... Someone who's not out. Here we go. See how this segue is working. Here we go. Is, go ahead. Uh, is David Harbour, who is in <laughs> this week's episode of Keep It. And he is um, rad as hell. Ira and I got done with the interview, and we were like, woo, more like that, please. Yeah. You know, um, a great man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's now you're talking like you're speaking at the funeral. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um what a man, what a man, what a, what man. a, what a mighty good man. Mighty good man. <laughs> David yes, Harbour yeah. is. He's in Black Widow, which is also a rollicking good time. I'm crazed about it. Mm. Okay. Oh, all right. That's the new craze. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. So we'll be right back. On Wednesday, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned Bill Cosby's 2018 sexual assault convictions, and he was released from prison. America's dad has returned home. Oh, my God. You should be slapped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He has not been exonerated. However, it's unlikely he'll face further consequences for the serial predation he has confessed to. Because also, isn't he dying? Right, he's also Croaking. very old. <laughs> Soon. But whenever I hear news about like Roman Polanski, I look up his Wikipedia and realize, oh, you're like 87. So anyway, there's hope yet. Fingers crossed. That's mm. what I have to say about that. France is um, dead. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so much like Bill Cosby that, oh, we weren't looking and he popped back up. Again, It's just a, it was a horrible feeling. It came out of nowhere to me. Like a turtle without a shell is what he looks like, this man. I think we we have to wait for life to carry justice out since our country won't do it for us. So, and neither will Felicia Rashad. Oh. Look, look. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I felt so bad. Claire, sit down. <laughs> I think the most disappointing thing about this has been having to return to um, the people online who are still expressing support. For Bill Cosby, they were very dormant, mostly, you know? Mostly it was just sort of like, 
Hotep niggas, you know, on Twitter sometimes would be like, mm -hmm. well, you know, why is Cosby in prison? You know, while Harvey Weinstein's out making movies. And you're like, sir, Harvey Weinstein's not making a movie. You're just watching Scream on HBO Max. And it says the Weinstein Company. Sir. Subsidiary, <laughs> sir. But, but now there was so many people coming out of the woodwork. And looking at Felicia Rashad's, like, Instagram post that was about supporting Bill, the thing that was most troubling was... Um, the likes. Yeah. Also, I know it's about to be some fuck shit when you turn the comments off. When it's no one's allowed to respond to what uh, you said. Miss Huxtable. She's like, the crazy's out and the doors are locked. Yeah. yeah. Ever about to get that tweet, bitches be saying shit, and then all of a sudden it's tweets not loading. <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. This is whenever someone does a specific Instagram post and it's like you can't comment at all. No comments. They know something's up. Black. There's disabled. only one person who mm -hmm. I allow it for. Who? Uh, Zaya Wade uh, has comments turned off on her Instagram, oh. which is appropriate. Well, there's there's nothing we could add. To, there's to nothing her life. we could add. <laughs> she, she knows everything. Wait, who is this? Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade's daughter. Oh, Zaya Wade. Oh, yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. yes, 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 yes. yes. Mm -hmm. But also, I think that may just also be comments are limited mm. there's the there's a thing where if you're verified you can limit it to only people that you follow got it yep to mm -hmm. comment i had that for a while when um fox news was up in my grill okay well once tucker finds you i mean it's like candy man so you gotta watch out <laughs> i wish he'd find me those bow ties just turn me on oh, set me off oh yeah <laughs> Demented carnival barker sexuality. He's like he's like he's like slappy the doll, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Giving me goosebumps. I was gonna say, is Slappy from Goosebumps? He wow, is. He went deep. And and I'm nervous. That was a very serious reference. There's like seven slappy books, by the way. Oh yeah. Goosebumps book, book covers, uh, chilling to this day. If I run past my hairiest adventure, I get a uh, chill runs down my spine. And that big hamster from uh Monster Blood. To that cover, terrified. Right. I didn't realize there were Cosby Show alums available still to disappoint us. Like, I, I mean, I just thought, like, like Malcolm Jamal Warner is not jumping in. You know, uh, Tempest Bloodsoap, not mm. saying anything. For Felicia Rashad to jump the fuck up and say this was so surprising. And I know, like, Keisha Knight Pulliam came with him to court once or something. So, like, I had been prepared for that a little mm -hmm. bit, but Felicia out of nowhere speaking in triumph as if she has some information on this person whom dozens and dozens of people have testified against. She's got the tea. I guess was <laughs> so unusually extremely insane. I will actually say I have been disappointed by Malcolm Jamal Warner uh, recently. Oh, he did um, replace Shamar Moore on The Young and the Restless, and that is not a fair trade. <laughs> wow, Shamar was there a long time. Yeah. That, is, that was not a fair trade. Uh, Shamar left, like, a while ago, um, and, like, you know, his criminal minds in and everything, but um, they brought the character back. Maybe This was probably, like, eight years ago or something. Oh, okay. And he was portrayed by Malcolm Jamal Warner. Got it. Malcolm yeah. Jamal Warner, one of the producers of All That, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Also, yeah. Malcolm and Eddie was a good show. Eddie in particular, very funny. Malcolm, not sure. What's he up to? Yeah, great question. Where is Eddie? You're in the you're in the comedy world, Aida. Put your ear <laughs> to the ground. Find out what's going on with Eddie. Probably a BET original movie. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what could they be up to at this point? Eddie Griffin played a pastor at A Star is Born. He did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There you go. There you go. Okay. We wasted all of our befuddlement on Dave Chappelle being in that movie, and we should have saved some for Eddie Griffin. I know. Hmm. Oh, it looks like he's going to be in Knives Out, too, Ira. Don't play me. Yeah, don't don't play me. I didn't, She's I didn't, making I, jokes. Don't play me because I have not seen him on set. <laughs> the way your heart dropped. Okay. Oh, girl. While, while I've, been, while I've girl. been shooting Knives Out, too, clearly. Clearly, I'm in the film. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, you have your sides memorized? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do. That. I do. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'll give you a preview. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Oh, I wish you wouldn't. Go oh, ahead. Oh, no. Not Lakeith stand in lines. Let's go. <laughs> Mr. Benoit, I think the body is over there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I'm calling. I'm calling security. I'm calling OSHA, <laughs> labor laws. Things are being broken. I would be physically ill if I weren't paralyzed. You see, I can't. I, I, I can't even activate my body to get to yeah. the sick part. Uh. My GI tract. My, my my stomach won't even function anymore. It was a long three weeks shooting in Mykonos, um, uh-huh. but. You know, we needed three weeks to get that one line. Right. <laughs> to get it perfect. Ryan Johnson is a perfectionist. And so am Which I. is crazy that he hired you. So. <laughs> you know what? I, too, also am perfectionist. Okay. Yeah, hyphen-ist. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I will say about Bill Cosby? What will you say, girl? Well, remember when he went to prison and everyone, like, there were all the debates, you know, about how, like, can we still consume Cosby content, et cetera. I don't think I have in the interim, you know? And, yeah, and I, I don't think, so think And I don't think I've had the, like, um, need to. I mean, a different world I've watched, uh, which, you know, was a Cosby production, but, you know, he wasn't in it. And he was famously feuding with Lisa Bonet, so it sort of feels like this weird radical production within the Cosby umbrella, though that mm. is probably delusion on my part. For an article, I did rewatch the pilot of the Cosby show. Oh, okay. Mm. Which is good. Oh, is it? Yeah. I feel like it probably got uh, better as it went it's along. It's good. It's interesting. The whole specific thing about him being like America's dad or something, too, is it's, it's very much respectability politics, the sitcom. You know, so right, right, all the right, conflicts right. are very much that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I did watch recently? Is the clip of Wanda Sykes hosting the Emmys where he says that rude comment to her while she's trying to come to him in the audience. What? Have you not seen this? It's in, from 2003 when Wanda Sykes hosts the Emmys and she's just like doing crowd work talking to like celebrities in the crowd and Bill is sitting there with sunglasses, which I didn't know you were allowed to do in an award show unless you were Stevie Wonder. Or Jack and, Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, Jack Nicholson, right. And she comes up to him and says something and he responds with, yeah, but we spoke English, making fun of the way she was speaking. Like with her, like, yeah. It, it was like, and the crowd reaction is grim. So it's like people were sort of on to the weirdness of the situation even at the time. I don't understand how that's cutting to American English-speaking comedian Wanda Sykes. Like, you, well, just, I mean, <laughs> that's well, Bill logic for you. Well, you know, you know, he hates that Negro speak, Aida. <laughs> it's wild, you know. I mean, like we talk a lot about the fact that Cosby was a serial predator, um, but mm. we also don't talk about the fact that he was also a bitch. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it, yes. it was in his stand-up too. It was in all his jokes. They weren't. They, I think we have the conversation a lot about like separating the art from the artist, or can those um, moral conversations. But Cosby, the Cosby Show, is one of the shows, and he is one of the offenders. That even looking at his face now, I have such a visceral reaction. I can't carry on. I can't look at the art anymore. It's not even a conversation for me. I know. Um, Do you know how sad it is? Yeah. I can't watch Ghost Dad anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. California Suite, you know, that's a Jane Fonda movie down for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Now you're left with, what, 60 of them left <laughs> <laughs> that you watch on I do, I, I do carry on. I do carry uh, on. Yeah. Isn't there supposed to be a remake of Uptown Saturday Night coming? That was Sidney oh. Poitier mm-hmm. and Bill Cosby, which, uh, mm. which is a great film, but <laughs> need a remake. It's time. Sidney directed the hell out of that. Also, hey, Sidney, where the fuck are you, girl? It's been a long time since I've seen you. He used to be just in the balcony at every award show, and he would wave once, and we all stood for him. <laughs> I think Sidney Poitier is taking a much-needed rest. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's the oldest living Best Actor winner, so he's okay. like in his 90s. Listen, that know. hand is tired, okay? How many times are you going to slap somebody and say, uh, they call me Mr. Tibbs? He does it every time he sees a white person. <laughs> and they ask him to. They're like, prove yeah. Sidney Poitier. Uh, remember when he was on Ellen, and she said, slap me, Sidney. he's like i'm retired and she insisted Uh, the other thing that was going on this weekend was an annoying amount of memes about how bill was out but britney was still in captivity and i was like i know that the like the human brain likes to put things together to make them easy to comprehend but i was like one of these has nothing to do with the other Whatsoever. Also, yeah, th- can you think of a third legal case? Just, yeah, it's like we're not like goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> and also, shout out to um, Ronan Farrow and Gia Tolentino for that um, harrowing 
piece on Britney, though. Mm-hmm. I-, I was very surprised to see them link up, so to speak. They've both been on this show. Gia, a wonderful essayist. And now I forget to think of her as a regular old journalist, and that's exactly what she was. Mm-hmm. Girl, I refreshed the email. I said, this was a mistake. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> what do they have to talk about together? <laughs> I always love when Ronan drops a new piece because, you know, being friends with him, you you, you run into him, right? And then you're always like, oh, this is what you were running around doing when I didn't see you. Right. Mm. You know, like you're standing next to me and you're probably like checking emails like, this is what's up with Britney. This is about to drop. Right. John, you good? You good? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Actual gossip girl shit. Uh, Anyway, we'll be right back with David Harbour, my man. And I'm sticking with him. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside. And then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at BarefootDreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Our guest today has blown up since he moved from Hawkins, Indiana to Hollywood. You might know him from Stranger Things, but here he is today as an ambassador from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Please welcome Black Widow's own David Harbour. Hello, guys. What's up? I just want you to know that when we were doing research for this, I had no idea you had been Tony nominated for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf as a poster of Sandy Dennis is right behind me. What the hell, Lewis? What kind of theater (laughs) guy are you? I feel stupid. Yes. I was like, Stranger Things, I'm into that kind of, you know, like, like Black Widow, I can dial into. I know, you and everybody else. Come on, Lewis, <laughs> I expect more from a grown man like yourself, understanding the theater, the Long Acre Theater, you know? <laughs> Back in 2006, we were there for eight months, man. You're, you're sounding like my inner monologue. You think you're educating me right now, but that's what's going through my head. <laughs> that's good. And I was just thinking, like, when people are longtime theater actors, were there people you tried out alongside for parts all the time. Like, I picture you and Michael Shannon up against each other a lot. Not really Michael Shannon, but there was a lot of guys, like Corey Stahl, um, mm. Stuhl Bark, and I did a lot of plays together. You know that guy? Oh, yeah, he's um, in every single movie, like, yes. Like, <laughs> uh, Bobby Sean Leonard and I did some plays together. Um, you know, and then there's other guys that are, like, theater guys who I think are just unbelievably amazing, but they're, you know, they're still, like, six and seven on the call sheet. Guys like Jeremy Seamus and... Uh, Michael Chernis and um, who else would I just, I mean, I guess like Tom Sadowski, who's mm-hmm. in newsroom with, with me, but that guys like that. Yeah. There's a lot of us. There's a lot of guys like that. I didn't really run into Shannon that much though. He was sort of more of a movie star before I came around. He was like way above me for many years. We were not auditioning for the same. He was being offered the part and then he would turn it down and then they would audition a bunch of dudes and I might get a callback for that role. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of auditions, we've had multiple people here who've done Marvel projects, and they've described being, you know, uh, having a bag put over their head and dragged out to some location. Uh, and I wrote on like a um, Marvel thing. So I know a bit about, you know, like how much goes into like even being involved in a project. So how did you come to be involved in Black Widow? My experience was almost the antithesis of that. I have heard those stories as well, but mine was the weirdest way in ever. I was desperate for work, never thought I would work again, had a big flop in the movie theaters, was like miserable. And um, I got a call through my agent saying, Kate Shortland wants to have lunch with you. She's doing some movie. I was like, oh, okay. I was in London at the time and uh, we sat down at a, a restaurant in London and she was like, look, I'm doing this uh, Black Widow Marvel movie. And I was like, whoa, okay. I thought this was going to be some weird little independent movie. And then she pitched me the whole script of it, kind of the arc of the character and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was sounded fascinating and fantastic. And the character himself was like, the way she pitched it was, you know, full of all these contradictions. He was like this big, violent guy with these tattoos and he's in prison, but he also like desperately needs people to think he's funny. <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, whoa, this is going to be like super cool. Like, and then, you know, they won't let you read the script. So they wouldn't let me read the script until I signed on. But just from her pitch, you know, she spent a solid 45 minutes kind of detailing most of what was in there. And I was like, this sounds great. Let's do it. And then they gave me the script. And then you are stuck in kind of this world of secrecy. I mean, I'm such a dinosaur. I don't think that people really think that i mean they'll still give me like paper copies of the sides i know there are people that are they're really like oh you know we don't print out copies of the sides and i'm like no just give me a copy of the side you guys can take them out today but like ah come on guys come on what am i gonna do i'm not gonna like post it on instagram i'm an adult i'm an adult so there always are those battles that you have to have with these huge entities where you're like, guys, I get I get what we're doing. I get we're being top secret, but we're also like not children. We're full on adults who've done this for a long time. Okay, that's a long answer to your simple question. <laughs> I feel like all the actresses in this movie have kind of this bewitching power. Like I watch Florence Pugh and she has the ability to be both enchanting and then also bone chilling. Uh, and the same goes for Rachel Weisz, who I don't know if you've seen like the movie Youth, but like the performance she gives in that several performances in Rachel Weisz's career are like almost migraine inducing how powerful she is. Yeah. The mummy, these, for instance. Uh, oh, yeah. The, oh, oh, we can get into the mummy. Don't you worry. <laughs> Working with these three people, was it a specifically, uh, I don't know, new kind of acting experience? I'm just I'm so in particular in awe of these people. I've worked with some pretty heavy hitter people in, in my time, though, you know, so it's. But yeah, I mean, they're the best of the best. So uh, I love them. I think they're extraordinary. I also just like, you know, it feels that way on screen when it's all put together. And if you mm. feel the drama in the room, but it doesn't feel that way when you're on set, you know, it doesn't feel like, and especially them, there was a real ease and a, a chemistry that we had where it was like, we were pretty dorky together. So mm. you view the movie and, you know, there's this big quality and these shots and blah, blah, blah. And then when we're on set, it's like, you know, we're a couple of dorks just joking around about Santa Claus and some table while we're all dressed mm. in super suits. I mean, there's a weird, you know, funness to it too. And like Rachel in particular is, you know, she does have a power and a stature to her. And I thought she was a real like sort of movie star because she, I grew up with her as well. But when we got on set, she knew a little bit about me, but didn't know that much. I'm not as much, you know, I haven't been as much longevity as she has. And, you know, the question was a little bit like, where, where have you been? I was like, sort of, I've been doing theater, which, you know, Lewis didn't know. About, but, uh, <laughs> I know it I'll, really I'll, well I now. Like I've been, I know I, I don't try to apologize. Um, I, uh, I've been doing theater for a long time and she was like, Oh, and we, I don't know how we got to talking about it, but I started talking about weird avant-garde theater, which is how I started like with my own company in New York, based on like the principles of Jersey Grotowski and like a combination of that, and, like Anthony Nartot, these like dense, like theater philosophers about like alienation in the theater and like subject audience, uh, you know, and uh, she was like, oh, bring it on. She's like a real theater dork, too. Like, mm. she studied all this weird avant-garde theater stuff. And so, you know, there was a real uh, connection I had with that. 
them. Uh, and it just very much turned into a play for us. So as extraordinary as they are, I can't even see it anymore. I just see like dorky actresses that I love. I think that really shows, you know, when like you can tell that actors are just sort of like having a good time. There's really one instance of, um, you know, not to ruin anything for people listening, but there's an instance of like you and Florence sharing a scene where you, um, you don't really even speak, you know, and you're saying so much in facial expressions. And I'm just like thinking about like, what it was like you know you two like even coming up with like this scene where you're just you're singing to each other and you're like looking in each other's faces <laughs> and it's like I just felt like there was so much story being told even in that scene and that's why I love watching actors oh that's good man I really appreciate you saying that it was like we were very neurotic about that we liked certain shots of it and others I remember in those close-ups we were like oh you're not gonna use those close-ups like we were, but we were very <laughs> precious about it because the idea came from us too like Eric Pearson wrote this extraordinary script. The script is really good, really tight, really funny. And then they did let us play a lot. And at the end of that scene in particular, there had been a different kind of exit out of it. And Florence and I in rehearsals came up with this idea that, you know, I wanted to capture this idea about him that he, you know, he's a, he's a terrible father. He's a terrible narcissist. Um, who can't see the other at all at this point in his life. And I think it's because of the tremendous guilt and remorse that he has that he's just become this bombastic idiot who has to like plow through other people. But I wanted him to have moments in Ohio when he was a real dad or he was trying to be a real dad. And so I came up with this idea that when she would have trouble falling asleep, because when they got there, I think she was three years old and she was like four years old. You know, she was a baby. I thought like, oh, here she is transitioning to this new country and she couldn't fall asleep. And so I would put her in the backseat of the car and just drive around and play like a song. And I was like, oh, what's a great, you know, that's great song. And it becomes this transitional object for her so that when we reunite much later, all he can really do is say, look, I did some things and I tried some things and I know this is weak and I know this is horrible, but I, this was all I was capable of doing. And can you forgive me? And, and it's all within the lyric, within that song in that moment with her. And it's so complex rather than the simple exit from that scene with, you know, his bluster about Red Guardian or something. There was this moment that we crafted in rehearsals and then so when we got there yeah we were super neurotic about like oh i really like this take and that take but i yeah i was pleased with the way they put it together because i do think it's it's one of those things where you know there's certain family things that happen between us that can't be expressed in words i mean i don't know whether i'm angry or sad or happy about certain moments that happened in my childhood they just exist as these super three-dimensional complicated things and that for the two of them was their entire upbringing. And so, you know, it was great that Eric allowed us and Kate allowed us to really enrich those experiences. But yeah, those to me are the most resonant ones too, where it's not even expressed in words. It's not even a line or like something you, it's just this weird relationship. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong to find it mind blowing that you got to quote unquote play around in rehearsals? When I think of movies of this stature, I think of like the layers and layers of approval that probably go into every word in the script. So were you surprised that you could be playful that you got to make these options i mean i was surprised about the entire process but as i say like you know even that audition process like i'm sure you hear lots of stories as you say where it's like oh i auditioned and you know and then this and then we had to do all, and it, for me it was like an indie movie from the start mm, wow. i mean it was kate just approaching me and being like you know i really want to get rachel vice and like we're really working on this and it and we talked about the movie the savages and we talked about like the british office ricky gervais mm -hmm. in the british office we talked about little miss sunshine all these little like indie family comedies that have like real pain behind them and then when we got into rehearsal you do see this machine behind her but it's a testament to her strength as a director where she's very kind to people but she was also very intent on making her movie mm -hmm which is what they hire her to do. But sometimes in the midst of these machines, as I'm sure you can see in the films, and as you can, you know, I'm sure you know, it's like they hire you to do this thing. And then they're immediately like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're McDonald's. We make a certain hamburger. Like, don't mess that hamburger up. Don't play around with that hamburger too much. And I think that Kate was very much like, I'm going to mess around with the hamburger. <laughs> like, and like the, everybody was like, no, no, you're not really. And she was like, no, no, I am. So, 
you know, and I think she had to go through all these hoops, but she kept all of that away from us. Mm -hmm. And she really made her movie. And that's one of the most things I'm most proud of is that it is a Marvel movie. It checks all those boxes. It's fantastic. But it also is a Kate Shortland movie. Mm -hmm. I feel that when I watch the movie. I love that. And I want to say, you just brought up The Savages, meaning the Laura Linney, Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, which people should see. I feel like that's like a forgotten movie from the 2000s. So everybody go and pick that up. Lewis, he clearly meant the Oliver Stone one. Yeah. <laughs> the Oliver Stone one about drug running or whatever, right? Not that one. Not that with the face paint. Not that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you said the director uh, Tamara Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> What's interesting is uh, even the way you talked about, you know, that scene with Florence, uh, it's interesting. I was like, oh, does David have kids? The way he talks about this sounds like he's a father. And then I remember you have been a parent for years on Stranger Things. Um, and so um, what what even has that part of your career been like where it's almost like you've been like in a mentor role on set for years uh, and now you're not in that when you're in other projects the mentor thing on set is as frustrating as it is to be an actual parent i mean <laughs> i am now a stepfather to two incredibly amazing girls an eight-year-old and nine-year-old but and that is you know an extremely rewarding experience and also an extremely frustrating one because children are children and if they're any good at what they do and who they are they're going to be what they are and who they are. They're not going to be what you tell them to be. I mean, that is like the biological point of children to not listen to their parents. And I think that in the same sense, the Stranger Things crew has some similar qualities, you know? I mean, I, I worried about them. I tried to instill in them what I thought were the most salient components of not only a human being, but an actor. Um, the richest sort of veins of that art is to me, you know, focused on the art inside you as opposed to you in the art. Mm -hmm. I would do that as best I could. And, you know, but kids have to go on their own journey. And so I would worry about them and I would try to do as best I can. And also it's an exercise in letting go. Mm. And it's an exercise in realizing the limitations of your power. And luckily that was mirrored in the actual character himself. Mm -hmm. So as I experienced things with those kids, Hopper himself also experienced things with a kid. And it's part of season two is mainly about the limitations of power in terms of a relationship with a child. And so I got to incorporate all this. And it still continues to be somewhat of that. But I get to incorporate all this stuff. But I will say the predominant theme of mentorship and parenting is fulfilling but very, very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have to ask, um, while you're here, you know, I imagine your quarantine um, is with Lily Allen, one of my favorite uh, musicians. And I just have to imagine living together. It's like um, no Coward's Hay Fever constantly. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the actor and then you've got you know the musician and i like your version i'd like to watch your version probably more than ours but yeah i mean whatever she's great i'm glad you like her she i you know i we don't get to listen to her music i'll tell you what when we're living together she doesn't like to do that um, oh wow you know i think she's so funny and brilliant and lovely uh and then you know you throw the kids into that mix and it's just like you know, I mean, it's the classic sitcom domestic insanity. And then, you know, we're in a pandemic and we we had to get out of London because her upstairs neighbor was, you know, she was, we were in a flat there and she, there was coughing all night in the upstairs. And I was like, we got to get the hell out of this building. <laughs> so we go out to the countryside of England and she has, in this weird way, British people have friends that own like castles and shit. Like that's just <laughs> part of like being British. You'll be like, you'll be like, oh, yes, my friend, like, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> so we went out and rented a wing of someone's, like, weird art house castle. And, uh, yeah, stayed there for the pandemic with these kids. And me and Lily just watched a lot of TV and watched the enormous spiders crawl out of the stone walls and onto our couches. <laughs> um, plumbing and heating, terrible, but uh, visually stunning where we spent the pandemic. Um, but, yeah, she's a blast. You know, I love her. So I don't know if it's exactly like hay fever, but uh, she is brilliant and funny. <laughs> you know. What was it like being 
an actor in the pandemic. For like, for instance, for myself, I decided to see every movie I said I would see. Like, I've seen like I know the entire Greer Garson filmography now. Like, you know, like like I'm a completist now. Did you like go back and like see things you always wanted to see, or do you like go into a research period? Like, how did how did you deal with being yourself during that time? I mean, being an actor in a pandemic is horrible because like you are utterly useless. <laughs> And then, you know, you realize who's important in society, <laughs> which are like the dude who bags your groceries. You're just like so grateful for that dude, like at the local Sainsbury's or whatever. And then, so of course, because you're utterly useless, you start to think, ooh, I should post some inspiring Instagram videos. Like, you know, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, just sit down, dude. Like, stop it. This isn't about you. So it's a very refreshing uh thing to realize as an actor um I guess for me the you know a lot of people did get a lot of stuff done during the pandemic which I admire the hell out of I just sat like a catatonic terrified potato on the couch and just watched I did watch the hell out of the tiger king that's really all I can remember though we you know what we tried to do Lily loved West Wing mm. and so we tried to watch West Wing we watched a little bit of West Wing. It's an excellent show. I couldn't watch that much of it, but it is excellent. <laughs> it is excellent. But then basically it was just like watching a lot of like crappy reality TV and just sitting on the couch, just terrified. I didn't get anything done, really. A lot of people did. I didn't get anything done. I'd get nothing done with British reality TV around me. I mean, I'm al <laughs> I've, al I've already used a VPN to watch Love Island, which premiered this week. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here, David. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah you're rad as fuck. And, and I'm going to remember that you did theater next time. Maybe I'll forget. We'll see. You know what? Yeah. I'm telling you, Lewis, next time I am coming here and I'm just singing show tunes the entire time. That is it. We're going to talk all about my stoppered career and oh, yeah. all about my relationships with, um, you know, Jules Pfeiffer and people like that. We're going to go on a real deep dive for the art side of me. All right. Okay. You you can come in reciting the Albie monologue. I'll be ready. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Black Widow is in theaters July 9th. When we're back, we get into the Olympics. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. And we're back, and unfortunately, Lewis has been disqualified from the Olympics conversation. So it's just me and Aida, and it's a gold medal for Olympics in the sport of disqualifying black women from competing for reasons that seem suspect. <laughs> uh, All-American. All-American wins. <laughs> oh, my, what? What a shitty, shitty week it's been as far as rapid-fire disappointments from the Olympics. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, we have um, Sha'Carri Richardson. Mm, our goddess. Yes. Uh, who has been suspended for smoking the ganja. Okay? She, she had a little reefer. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> Let my baby run. Uh, <laughs> uh, she tested positive for THC and the USADA. Um, released a statement that said that her competitive results obtained on June 19, 2021, including her Olympic qualifying results at the team trials, have been disqualified as she forfeits any medals, points, and prizes. Beyond the one-month sanction, athlete eligibility for the Tokyo Games is determined by the USOPC and or U.S. track and field eligibility rules. She, of course, said that she found out from a reporter that her biological mother had passed away. Um, in an interview, yeah. uh, and then she, you know, went to smoke some weed, which, okay, girl, I get high when I get bad news, too. I mean, who does not? Shit. 
Shit, I get I, shit. Like, are you? I would have gone and done meth. Okay, there's Not no. Meth. Oh, just let her have. <laughs> yeah, girl. Think about it. It's just like it's like I can't even think about. It. I get so emotionally overwhelmed for her and the things that she's been going through and the way she reacted was just with poise and care. And black women don't get no breaks at all. Yes. She her tweet where she just wrote, "I am human." That's it. Yeah, which is good because I thought she was dancer. <laughs> I thought she was tiny dancer. <laughs> so you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. No, she's big runner. <laughs> it's been wild because too. Because I remember when she when she first won. Right, you know, there were all those tweets about you know like support other black women in your life, you know, uh, who have colorful hair and long nails and don't run as fast yeah. as her. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you, the memes, there's always a spoken word out there. Uh, and then literally, like, what was two weeks later where we ended up having to be defending her? Mm-mm. And mostly against white people who love the rules. They love the rules as if they made them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Every conversation I've had with somebody about this, they immediately, their first response, whoever is like a man, even black men, or um, I don't talk to white men. Who am I kidding? If it's not Lewis, it's no, there's no conversation. <laughs> the, the, the first thing that they'll say to me is, well, you know the Olympics are so staunch. It's not even about black women. It's about the Olympics. As if this week alone hasn't proven to us between Shakari and Brianna McNeil and then also the stuff that's going on with the swimming caps in that world, which we're going to get to, I'm sure, black women are disproportionately targeted in the Olympics as if that's not what we experience in every single corner of our world. So it's just, ugh, ooh, it's so reductionist. And it's not a conversation that I'm happy to have with anyone ever. Yes. Uh, when you think about the rules, uh, it's always this conversation, too, where it's like they love implementing them on other people, right? Mm. You know, I think when you even think about, like, um, you read articles and stuff where it's like, uh, you know, like a white person's like kid like gets arrested, and it is um, they have the access to like a legal team. You know, there's always like, you know, they made a mistake, like et cetera. You know, I went to a rich kids school, yeah, a bunch of white people um, with access. Uh, you know, and that's people get in trouble, but they get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and the rules always seem to not matter when you have like the money or the access to circumvent them yeah they're in place for other people basically Mm -hmm. yeah and there's no nothing in place to protect black women Mm -hmm. in situations like this because first of all we already know that her parents aren't around to that extent i mean her grandmother is around and she'd been living with her but there's what is the support system there where are the finances or the resources that would need to be made available to save her from situations like this Mm -hmm. because so i'm sure there's so much stuff that happens in the olympics that gets quietly swept under the rug you don't know and we don't know so yeah it's just disappointing i do want to point out one thing that cracked me up this week though was people digging for her old tweets. And finding And they weren't even that old. (laughs) They were recent. Uh, She she was like, if you support Lil Nas X, unfollow me. And listen, (laughs) Sha'Carri is a lesbian, but she seems to be a religious black. (laughs) (laughs) And the tweets were about... The tweets were about the Call Me By Your Name video. Oh, demonic. The, 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 the devil. The, the devil worship. Yes. She's not down it's not for the it. It's not gay stuff. Yes. Mm-mm. You know what, girl? Look, I had that same reaction too. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a week to process and decompress from that video. I understand. Uh, yeah, down with Satanism, okay? That's Mm-mm. all she was trying to say. <laughs> um, but also, swim caps yeah. at the Olympics. Oh, good. So, Soul Cap, a British company that makes swim caps that support swimmers with diverse hairstyles. I love that. I love that phrase. <laughs> uh, is speaking out after it said the governing body for water sports competitions did not certify its caps for the Olympics. They sell four sizes of swim caps to accommodate athletes with long hair, dreadlocks, and afros. FINA, um, the international governing body for water sports competitions, states in its rules that apparel companies must submit new designs and materials for approval before they are cleared to be used in competition. Referees also have the authority to exclude any competitors who don't comply with the rule. SoCap submitted its application last year before it was denied, according to Yahoo News. FINA's justification was that elite athletes don't require caps of such size and that they do not... Follow the natural form of the head. Boo! It's 
if you don't want black women to win medals, just say that. Just say no black women in the pool, no <laughs> black women swimming. Because they pouring bleach in does. the pool, y'all. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it's attacking the, the edge control, everything in the water. It's like you can be a black woman, but you better be bald or have a small, small afro for this to work out. And I think what I, what frustrates me the most is this is just at the detriment of black women and their ability to swim. Like I don't think that having a bulging I got my Senegalese twist underneath this cap is going to add aerodynamicism to me swimming. You know, like mm. everything is going to be, I, I'm messing with the resistance, my own resistance. It's, it's, it's adding time to my laps. Yeah. So. Here we are again. And then, of course, there are the runners who've been um, disqualified because they have, quote unquote, elevated testosterone. Oh, I forgot about this one, too. Yes. It's been four or five different things. Yes. Three women have been um, disqualified um, for testing that they have higher testosterone uh, than necessary. The rules demand that they sort of lower their testosterone levels artificially by either taking birth control pills daily, having hormone-blocking injections, or undergoing surgery. <laughs> Which is ironic, of course, because sports, you know, it says doping um, is uh, inappropriate, but Mm -hmm. now they want these women to dope up so that their testosterone levels are lower. See, this is why I don't run. (laughs) This right here is the problem. Mm, That's why you don't don't run, because you don't want to take your birth control. This is why I don't run. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a a very, it's a feminist issue for me. (laughs) Not, Not standing up. Oh, God. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And it's the same organizations that have rules that want to have stipulations on what it means to be a woman. But when it comes to trans conversations, radio silence. Mm -hmm. So what's the alternative here? Do you need a Black Olympics? <laughs> the nigga Olympics was trending all week. <laughs> was like, it? My people need to rest. <laughs> my people need a break. Maybe we don't need to run. Maybe we don't need to play sports or write. Mm. But yeah, we, we could separate. We could separate at this point. I, w- I wish that there. this isn't like, this is the most prestigious place you can go in, when it comes to sports and athletics. And we have, we have to succumb to their rules. For now, okay. We need to bring back the wacky races. Girl, what are the wacky races? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when Lewis isn't here. I know you have to elaborate now. <laughs> the Wacky Races was a animated series from Hanna Barbera, where um, all of the Hanna Barbera cartoons would race each other. Oh, this is really really cool. You know what this reminds me of? It was our Cartoon Network. It had Private Meekly, the Ant Hill Mob, Penelope Pitstop, Dick Dastardly, and Muttley. Look, you don't know who none of these my, damn people are. I don't know who none of these, but, <laughs> but you, this is reminding me of the Disney Channel games that really happened around like 2008. Oh my God, I love just, the Disney Channel games. Yes, that's what this was reminding me of. That's what we need to bring back. Okay, let Sha'Carri run with Olivia Rodrigo. That's where, <laughs> that's where it needs to be at. That's what I want to see. And baby, they could get high beforehand and drive around and cry together. That's 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 what we need. Yes, yes. Disney Channel uh, games. And, bring them and Josh back. Bassett could compete too, you know, because... Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have high testosterone. <laughs> you hear oh them notes? <laughs> uh, I want to see a, a Dove Cameron. Uh, she could be a flag girl. I don't know if she likes to move her body like that, but mm-hmm. bring all the girls out. Bring them out. Bring them out. Bring in the girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Olympics. I think, we've, I think we came up with a good alternative. So All black Disney Channel games. <laughs> Animated. When we're back, the whole gang's here for our favorite segment, Keep It. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It, which is also... One of my lines in Knives Out too. They uh, love you. You keep getting new lines. <laughs> the scripts keep coming in. Like they're coming in during this recording, and I'm like, I got a new line. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a post-credits thing. We don't know, but got to set up Knives Out three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you're central to the plot, of course. I am. So. I am. And that one's going to be yeah, on yeah, Paramount yeah. Plus. So, mm. which I have yet to buy, but will buy. Mm. I haven't watched the new Drag Race yet. Oh, girl, you got to get on that. I know what's wrong with me, Lewis. What is your Mm -hmm. keep it, if not to not having Paramount Plus? The keep it is to me. About once every two months, I like to say keep it to myself just to stay grounded. Because as you know, my (laughs) relatability is key. 
keep it to myself because once again, like a fool, I am looking forward to a season of Big Brother. What happened to me in my childhood that I still <laughs> give it up to this fucking show? <laughs> this is the change they have this season. Now at least half the cast is either POC or indigenous people or <laughs> diverse people. And for some reason, that's mandate. like a bomb to me. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're, so the government came in and they were like, could you fix this? I think there was actually a mandate at CVS that like the cast has to be like half um, people of color now. The cast looks good. I'm very excited as well, too. And it appears, based on some of the bios I've read, that they pick some real super fans who have interesting opinions about how the game should be played as opposed to what they usually get, which is people who've seen the big star-making seasons and they're obsessed with the same dumb people that we're over now. When people are obsessed with Allison and June from that one season, that's an unusual choice because they went hard and they were only in it for each other. And then they were kind of done dirty by the end of the season, as, as you guys know. Yes. But I mean, there's one girl, Aza, who truly was like, her favorite moment for Big Brother was uh, Keisha's birthday in season 10. And I'm like, that <laughs> tells you that she is a super fan. Right, right. So, okay, I'm relying on that energy. That said, Big Brother is always a show that I feel like ends up disappointing because there's usually one key conflict between two people in the cast and then one of them's eliminated and then the show still goes on. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's just something a little intrinsically flawed about the flow of the game. I think the thing you look forward to is it's a fix that's constantly satiated because it happens three times a week. So there's never a week where you're waiting too long for an episode or something. And in fact, it's sugar high level how much you get. So... Unfortunately, what I'm looking forward to is the drug aspect of this. <laughs> I hope that they add more, you know, twists. <laughs> and the show's always like, expect the unexpected, as Miss Julie Chen Moon Vest always says. Um, mm-hmm. But we always get the expected. I feel like Big Brother Canada, which recently had an excellent season, they, they, they introduce twists more. You know, it keeps people on their toes playing the game because unlike Survivor, yes, this like once the conflict goes away in this, there aren't other people vying for control like on Survivor yeah. or something because the majority of Big Brother, you're sitting around on your ass in the house doing nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. People like lose the nerve to fight for control too. There's like one quote unquote alpha person who stays with it. And then you can usually anticipate that person will win. Yeah. But but shout out to, you know, the person who you think would be the white racist hick cast on the show. This person, Frenchie, whose bio says that he is a proud member of the NAACP. Nice. <laughs> 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 uh, Aida, what's your keep it? So I don't know if you guys seen this behavior, but on July 1st, there was a protest for Stephen Taylor, Justice for Stephen Taylor protest outside of the Alameda County Courthouse in California. And there was a young man who was working with an anti-police terror project, and he had banners up that said Justice for Stephen Taylor on the banners, and a police officer came up to him and was like, these are a tripping hazard, you need to move them. First of all, what? Banners on the ground. Nigga, look up. Don't. What do you mean a tripping hazard? I hate the stupid reasons that people make up to be like, oh, you're encroaching on the public safety space. Shut the fuck up. Just walk over it. Lift your legs. That, that's one. That happened. Now, as this altercation started to grow larger and larger, as we've been trained to do, we, um, <laughs> the young man took out his phone and started recording the cop saying, look, this is going to go online. You watch what you're doing. Da-da-da-da-da. We know the scripts. And this cop whipped out his phone to fix his fingers to look up Blank Space by Taylor Swift on YouTube and started blaring the song and said, you can record all you want. I just know that you can't post this to YouTube now. Well, guess what, officer? It got posted to YouTube and got 800,000 views <laughs> and there was no copyright infringement. I, there's a part of me that's like, I really hope this got to Taylor's desk. Like the video landed on Taylor's desk and she was like, run it up. <laughs> <I uploaded. laughs> there's no infringement here uncheck uh, the box let it play let it play because well, it's like imagine it was removed from youtube and that became the story like taylor would obviously comment on put it right, right. back up. <laughs> and and then taylor folded her arms and said that's that right and you should have played right. kid rock or something yeah <laughs> exactly exactly how's this cop a taylor swift fan i'm upset you know it was his daughter's last play song on his phone sure. he didn't think it through taylor swift is a liberal now <laughs> have you seen a 20 documentary about it? Yeah. Jesus. 
<laughs> yeah, she's like oh Abby Hoffman God. now. You need to accept that. Uh, <laughs> more documentaries than Demi Lovato. Yeah. <laughs> so keep it to this stupid cop. Like, it's mm. just the dumbest thing I've seen. And also, the fact that you are trying to impede us spreading information that should be public, it looks awful, as if cops give a shit about what they look like. But it was mm. just disgusting to see that video and how matter-of-fact and proud he was. Well, my keep it is yeah. very dumb as well, because it involves Aida and something dumb <laughs> she did. did. No! My, my <laughs> keep it is to Aida still being blocked by Doja Cat. I'm building oh. <laughs> We can't As even she get makes her. new music for us. She's, she's got a new album out, look, Planet Her, which look, is it. Look. But she, we can't even get her on the show, probably, because you, you, know, you, you get a request, and look. she's like, oh, I, is Aida Osman on that show? <laughs> no. Sometimes as a comedian, there's fall damage, okay? You yes. say some things, okay. you have to incur the pain of it. And girl. I just will never have an, a relationship with Doja. If I see her yeah. out again, I will go up to her and be like, girl, I'm so sorry. I know. But I'm not apologizing in public. Don't apologize. Don't no. apologize. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you get confronted for things you said on the show, okay? I hosted a legendary panel, and Jamil and Jamil had some questions. <laughs> Wait. My you know, favorite I haven't, journalist. I haven't, I haven't had the chance to experience this yet because I've been fortunate enough to be inside the past year. Yeah. But. I say, girl, I it's all wait. shade. And then I kept it moving. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I reap, reap what I sow. Slick. I do want to point out the hilarious thing about the connection between Doja blocking you, though, is that um, she blocked you when you made fun of her getting COVID because she said she got COVID All from I Postmates, said was right? she could cut. Uh, yeah, but also it was during a time where the like white supremacy chats had come out. So mm-hmm. I think all I said was like she can cough her way back to that tiny chat room. <laughs> That's all I said. <laughs> I didn't say anything that was she said she got, irreprehensible. <laughs> she said she got COVID from a Postmates delivery. And then hilariously, when her album came out, it was promoted on Postmates. <laughs> Yo. That's a good move. That's a good move. It's beautiful. Um, That's but good I think branding. the album, I think the album's really good. And uh, you well, know, if you're a Dr. Luke fan, you're eating this week. Oh God. See, <laughs> see, and this is where this is where I come back to with Doja Cat is the continual behavior that is questionable. Yeah, he did Quite sign her when she, he did sign her when she was very young, and I think we know from Pebbles and um, Diddy. Uh, how hard it is to get out of a contract you signed. Oh. Mm. And Britney. I'm such, a, you know? I'm such a serious Pebbles fan that still bothers me what she did to TLC. Guys, I know, because her Mercedes songs, Boy is the song. Pebbles' <laughs> album <laughs> hits. Yeah, <laughs> giving you the benefit of the hood app. Sing it, baby. Sing uh, it. <laughs> I need to nod. Okay. Lewis yeah. is actually singing <laughs> in Knives Out 2. Oh. <laughs> The credits, as the credits roll, it's going to be a it's going to be a silent movie. (laughs) Jokes about Doctor Luke aside, I will say that um, yes, he did sign her when she was seventeen to his label. You know, Uh, and she's twenty five now. That was eight years ago. Uh, So that is sort of how you get people in the music industry, right? Yeah, you sign them young. Sure, there's a sunset clause. There's no escape. There's no getting out. Um, and she doesn't talk about it. If you recall, when Kesha was, um, you know, suing Dr. Luke, she knew that he would still be making money off of her um, and still sort of mm-hmm. like she'd still sort of be signed to him. But she didn't want to work with him specifically, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's how ironclad music contracts are. I do pray for Doja. I know that's not a comfortable or you know, conducive situation to be in artistically and for her own emotionality. So I just hope that it happens soon and then she'll come and talk to us about it. Other than that, though, the album, it's got some bops. Okay. I reluctantly, I defeatedly say it's got some bops. It's got some bops. Girl, this this album is it. No, it's got a couple bops. It's got Kiss Me More is an amazing song. I also want to say that the majority of the songs that slap aren't even produced by him. They're produced by this, uh, new producer Y2K. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the production on this. I mean, of course she's going for the like extraterrestrial. This it's like this is like the sixth wave of feminism. Is <laughs> Doja Cat floating <laughs> in space. <laughs> uh, Y2K produced Get Into It Yeah, which is my favorite on the album. Yes. Her, okay. Uh, okay. her Nikki tribute. Um I I'm my biggest my the one that I keep repeating right now is the track with her in the weekend. 
Mm. That one is fun. That mm. one's cute. And I think it's the one that's taking off the most. I heard it on the radio. Yeah, you well. Can't, you can't go anywhere without seeing Doja Cat right now. Like It is on the radio because it is her new single, Aida. Okay. Oh, that's how <laughs> it works. Sorry. Sorry, Mr. Payola. There's a video. There's a video. Okay. Payola. Uh. Oh, my God. Remember? <laughs> remember, when, remember Payola? Do you remember when <laughs> that was Nikki's chief complaint against Cardi B? <laughs> Everything. Payola. Between, between that and the merch, Travis Scott was selling the merch. <laughs> she was mad. She's, she is the music industry. Yeah. Anyway, go listen to Doja Cat and go get some Postmates. Yes, stream that. I would recommend reading um, the article in The Atlantic that came out um, just this week. The pop music you listen to really does matter uh, about mm-hmm. Dr. Luke and the industry. That's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it is. Go stream Planet Her. <laughs> See, I'm still supportive. <laughs> You'll get unblocked <laughs> soon enough. Mm-hmm, I know. I'll work it. Points. It's a point system with Doja. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you to David Harbour for joining us this week. And we'll see you next time. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. I think I've heard of him. Our editor is Bill Lance, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Narmel Konian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Stay safe. Be blessed. God loves you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.